Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Now, and it is part of the Thrill of Hope Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Well, second sermon, A Thrill of Hope. I love this series, and I love what I believe the Lord is showing me, and I really am excited about what I believe I can share with you today that's going to help you immediately, not in the sweet by and by, but now help you to have a more victorious life, a more purposeful life, a more meaningful life, a life that glorifies God and is good for you. And isn't that a cool thing that God has so designed this thing that what he shares with us and the principles he gives us to live by are good for us and glorifying to him. So it's (laughs) win-win. You win and God wins. And that's a really, really a cool and wonderful thing. And that's kind of, I think that's kind of how you know you're in a good organization. When, when, when leaders and people win, when the people win, the leader wins. Every, and, and that's because that's the way God's world, that's what the church of Jesus Christ is. The song says, O holy night, the stars are shightly, brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Notice what it said there. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Something happened that night. Not just a promise for later, but a thrill of hope that starts right now. Now for everyone who believes. Today's message is called Now. We need only to look at the response of um, Mary and uh, Mother uh, Virgin Mary, her cousin Elizabeth and Zachariah to really see and understand that what happened starts now. There was an immediate impartation of the Spirit. I'm going to move this over here because I kind of I kind of work from right to left instead of left to right. Uh, there was, a, there was an immediate impartation of the Spirit that came when they were called to participate in God's drama of grace. See, our predisposition is this. Our predisposition and our understanding of God's glory is, has been in the past. It's been future. We, we used to sing songs like, there's a new name written down in glory. It is mine. We used to sing, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. We used to sing, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. <laughs> now, we've changed our music. We don't sing about the sweet by and by like we used to when I grew up in church. But we, have we changed our experience? Have we changed our experience from waiting till a sense of joy and victory and peace to the sweet by and by, even though we sing about it being here and now. In fact, kind of a, a description, a spiritual, of, of what I call a spiritual zeitgeist, which just means the spirit of the age is, 
and I'm not criticizing Joel Osteen at all when I say this, his book, uh, How to Have Your Best Life Now, is really the way most of us think. I want to go to a church. I want to experience something for now. But I see a lot of us, a lot of us still aren't experiencing the joy and the peace and the power of God in the now. Even though we're not singing in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore. We're not singing about the sweet by and by like we used to. But I got a feeling that some of us are still on the sidelines when it comes to experiencing the joy and grace of God. See, in the Christmas narrative, the angel Gabriel brought Mary the news that she is miraculously pregnant with the future Savior of the world. And as Elizabeth uh, was pregnant with John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner, the, the one who would announce the coming of Christ and bring the opportunity for spiritual renewal to Israel. When Mary visited Elizabeth, her cousin, she suddenly burst out into this joyful song that began like this. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Notice that. She didn't say, someday I'm going to be happy when I get over yonder. We used to, another Pentecostal song we used to sing is everybody will be happy over there. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't strike me as odd back when I was a kid singing that. Everybody will be happy over there. But, but later I realized, you know, wait a minute. I got a few years to go before over there. Can I have a little happiness now? <laughs> but we noticed that her joy happened now. It happened when she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and, and, uh, cousin Elizabeth, and later in that Luke's account, where there's the scene where Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, who's a high priest at the temple, gets his ability to speak back after he's been stricken mute by the angel Gabriel when he doubted that he and Elizabeth could have a child in their old age. This cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist, and that, that same angel Gabriel that appeared to Mary had appeared to him as well. And because he doubted the promise of God, he became mute for a few days. And he, he got his speech back after the child was born. And here's what happens to Zechariah down in verse 64. It says, he began to speak praising God. Then in verse 67, it says, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Wait a minute, something's happening not later. Something's happening not when the kingdom of God comes to earth. Something's happening not when Jesus comes back to rule and reign. Something's happening when Jesus comes back and heals the world and brings world peace. No, something's happening right in the middle of the most chaotic, socially, politically chaotic situation that you could ever imagine in Israel at that time with Roman rule, Israeli Jewish subjugation, and total, total political and social chaos, right in the middle of the total political and social chaos, Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, gets filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesies. Then the Apostle Paul lets us in on the fact that hope has to be, has to be about later, but it has a right now manifestation. Boy, you, that, that's good, amen. That was, that was the right place to say amen. You, you hit the cue right on. I'm not, I say I'm not used to it. I still like I'm, I'm, I'm a long ways from Texas and New England and 
and when you act when you start acting Pentecostal, I just it just shakes me up. <laughs> but I love it, so keep it up. Romans eight says there is therefore now no condemnation. So I'm all full of shame and condemnation. No, the Bible says you can have freedom from condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children now if we are children then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with co-heirs with Christ and then we skip down to verse 13 it says now May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Cy Homer was president of our Bible college in uh, Lakeland, Florida for many years. And he was a character. And one day he was looking at a delicious piece of uh, strawberry shortcake. And he looked down and Cy, and the only way he could express himself, only Cy could express himself, he said, all of this in heaven too. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about today. It's kind, of, it's kind of like, and we've all had this experience where usually if there's pain in our bodies, it, it so often has to do with swelling. And, and, and so you go, to, you go to the emergency room or you go to your doctor and you may need a surgical procedure you may, need, uh, you may need some type of long me- t- long-term medication. You may need ther- long time, long-term therapy. Healing may be months away. But what do they do? They address the pain. And they address the swelling. They say, well, we, we got to clear up the pain. We got to clear up the swelling. We got to clear up the infection. So they clear up the pain and the swelling and the infection now. And the cure... And healing is often later. That's exactly what salvation's like. I come to Christ. I come to Christ. I don't know about you, but I have not been totally cured of all my unrighteousness and all of my bad behavior. I'm getting better. I'm, 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 I'm I'm in therapy. But Christ has come and delivered me from pain. He's He's cleared me up from the infection of sin. There are three dimensions of our lives addressed by God when we receive Christ ultimate as the ultimate healer of the world. Number one, Christian hope transforms self-esteem. Number two, Christian hope transforms inner emotions. Number three, Christian's hope transforms human suffering. That's the three things I want to talk to you about in the next few minutes. Okay, let's first of all talk about transforming our self-esteem or our self-image, I, perhaps I should have said. Luke, look at Luke 148. This is Mary. This teenage girl, most people believe, this young girl who has been approached by, had this divine visitation that she will be carrying in her body the hope of the world. And here's what that did to her. She said, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. I mean, that's some some self-esteem right there. (laughs) That's some (laughs) self-worth. That's some transformation of one's self-image right there. Is when you say, from now on, 
every generation will say, I am great. <laughs> for the mighty one has done great things for me. Bless his holy name. It reminds me of what Paul said back over in Romans. And I'm, as you can see, I'm bouncing back and forth from Romans 8 and Luke 1. There is now no condemnation. Now we are our children, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. A lot of, there's been a lot of talk about self-esteem in the last 30 years in American psychology and American public life. And we've doing playing all these tricks to, to try to cure people of, of low self-esteem, low self-image. And we've, we blame everything on people's low self-esteem. If someone's a mass murderer, it's because they did not like themselves. <laughs> you know? And so that's another subject. I won't get into that today of, of, of critiquing how that's probably been a wrong approach to blame everything on low self-esteem. But one thing we haven't done is we haven't understood that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, is where the only real cure for your self-image lies. Really. The Apostle Paul, you know, referred... Let me, let me put this in context with, with Mary. Apostle Paul referred to Christ as the hope of Israel. Now, the hope of Israel was the deepest longing in every Jewish heart. We, we, don't, we don't properly, probably, unless you've studied it, understand the context of Mary and Zechariah and Elizabeth. But their deepest longing was for the hope of Israel. For Israel to be restored. Every day they would, they would have a daily prayer called the Shema. In that prayer they would, they would pray, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Notice the phrase, his kingdom forever and ever. Tradition says that this came from when Jacob was about to pass away. And he brought all his sons in, in the Old Testament. And he called all of his children in and said, maybe when I pass from this world, you will bow down to another God. And they responded, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Now that's very, very interesting. And we often miss this because... Because we are interested as modern Western evangelicals, we are interested in personal salvation. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But to truly understand what Mary was thinking, we need to understand that the centerpiece of, 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 a, of a Jew's spirituality was the restoration of Israel. That, that there, was no, there was no such thing in their minds as just, as just personal renewal, <laughs> It was all tied to a spiritual, political restoration of the nation of Israel back to prominence. You know, they didn't, they didn't have MAGA, they had MEGA. Make Israel great again, for those of you who didn't get that. <laughs> See, in fact, the Bible says, the Bible doesn't say Jesus went about preaching personal salvation. Did it, Steve? Didn't say that, did it? It said Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He didn't, he didn't go about preaching, believe in me and you can be saved. Now, he didn't, that wasn't his message. I'm not saying that's not true, so don't accuse me of heresy. I'm not saying that's not true. But that wasn't what a Jewish person was thinking about. 
This was Mary's world. Israel was so hopelessly mired in the bondage of the Roman Empire and the oppressive religious leaders who had formed alliances with the Romans and into this darkness burst the angel Gabriel to introduce Mary to the hope of the world and the hope of Israel. And guess what it did for her? It did what it will do for you. It transformed her self-image. It transformed her self-esteem because her self-worth was rooted in the hope of Israel and the hope of the world. Now, I'm going somewhere with this thought because I want that to happen to some of you right now. And I'm talking to some people this morning that it hasn't happened yet. You haven't gotten your self-image rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't gotten your self-image rooted in the hope of the world and the hope of Israel. Simon Veal, uh, Simone Veal rather, uh, a mystic from previous generations, said to be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. I really agree with that. I wish I had time to unpack that statement, but we don't. Let me tell you this, though. And, and this is, to me, is so exciting. I, I, it probably won't be as exciting to you as it is to me. <laughs> I have that problem. I think my jokes are far funnier than you do. <laughs> and, and my insights are more great than you do. So <laughs> pray for me. God, here's, here's, here's what I want to say. God starts with individuals, not entities, not organizations. God starts always, always, always. God starts with the individual. God finds a Moses. God finds an Abraham. God finds a Joseph. God finds a David. God finds a Nehemiah, for those of you familiar with Old Testament scriptures. God starts with a person. When God wants to change a church, he starts a revival in a person's heart. A visitation from God will transform the individual's self-image and self-esteem. Self-image and self-esteem are transformed because they become rooted in the promises of God. How you see yourself becomes rooted in the promises of God and not the shifting sands of circumstances around you. See, you go from sitting on the premises to standing on the promises. Put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Some of you are rootless because you're constantly trying to attach your self-image to circumstances and people and money. Instead of God who causes all things to work together for good. To be saved is to be delivered from a wholly corrupt way of calculating your value. I'm often reminded of my own shifting sand of acceptance seeking. That I have, that I deal with all of the time, or much much of the time. And no matter how things work out, when it comes to... When I place my self-value and self-esteem on people's feedback or circumstances, it's all some form of idolatry, and I know it when it's happening. If I get invited to speak somewhere, for instance, I get invited to speak, I'm going to be on a, a platform like this, and I'm going to give a talk. One of three things happen. I go there... And I really bomb. And I'm really terrible. And I, I get in my car and I feel worthless. 
I thought, I, I shouldn't even be allowed to exist. I can't preach. Or I go there and I, I think I'm really good and nobody says I'm really good. Even the pastor who invited me just says, thanks for coming. <laughs> and then I get in my car and I feel they are worthless. And then there's that time when it all comes together. I'm good. They think I'm good. And I get in my car and I go, I am great. <laughs> they are great. I like them. The Holy Spirit, in all three instances, always taps me on the shoulders. So you're, you're way off. Your value is not in your performance. Your value was determined on a hill far away where the dearest and best gave his life for you where, because a king left the glories of heaven and came and endured the indignities of earth for you. That, that was what you cost me, Phil, and that's why you're valuable. Value. It's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like if you were the only son of a billionaire, only child, only son, a child of a billionaire, and uh, your, your parent provided basics for you, but you did not have control of the billions because you were a child. So you wore nice clothes, you, you lived in a nice house, you, you got a superior education. In fact, stories, uh, someone was telling me that Don, Don Trump Jr. was telling about how his father, even though he was provided well for, his father made him go work on construction sites with the workers. Uh, the the uh, Rockefeller put his sons in the limo and had them shipped off to the oil fields to work with the grimiest, basest men on the earth. But Don Jr. didn't become a construction worker, and the Rockefeller boys didn't become oil riggers. They, didn't, they, knew that, they knew that after a while they're going to go back to being a billionaire. That's the way it is to be a Christian. You, are, you have the riches of God and the hope of eternity. God has told you, Jesus has told you, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. And you may, live in a, you may, go, you may have to live in a one-bedroom apartment for a little while, but that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Amen? Value is indicated by cost. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was going in her heart. I must be significant that the Lord would do this for me. The Bible says we were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. While I was uh, talking to a group of pastors this week, uh, there was a missionary uh, who was sitting on the front row to India. And I told a little story about India in she responded, and as I was talking, and she told this little story about worth. Because here, uh, you will notice, I'm going to have play a video of her. I asked her to send me a little video of her little story. So I'm going to play a video right now of Jackie's story. Her name is Jackie Doucette. And um, she tells this story of uh, 
being in India, and she just returned from there, and being in India, and because she's kind of undercover, she's not revealing she's a missionary, she's going there and working, and she's practicing what we might call friendship evangelism, and she said, like, so many people show up at her house that the police are coming, and so what are all these people doing at your house? And so she's just making friends. Well, well, she's going to tell this story. I'm going to let her tell in her words about one of this person that she had just loved to Jesus who found out that they, that they were all part of a program. And her first response was, you guys are getting paid to be my friend? And I want you to hear, I thought her response was outstanding. I want you to hear it right now. Hello, Bethany. Um, I'm Jackie Descent, and your pastor asked me to relay a um, testimony to you that I gave um, on Thursday. And um, I am currently serving um, in India as a as an M, an overseas wor worker. Your pastor will explain why I'm saying M. Um, and we had a security breach in our in our in our group in our team and a young man had in our community had found out that um we were m's and that he was spreading around saying they get paid to make friends with you they get paid to convert you um to christianity um and which is illegal in india and it's it's not legal to be an, an M in, in India. So um, it had started to spread and go around the whole community. And I was ministering to this one girl. She was about 20, 22, 23 years old, um, born a Hindu atheist, pretty much. Just born Hindu, but really didn't believe anything. And man, I got her... Um, saved and reading the Bible and just loving on her and um, when she heard this she was hurt and she somehow didn't connect me with the rest of the team but she said they get paid they get paid to be friends with me they get paid to do this and I said well how much are you worth Divi how much are you worth are you worth me leaving my family, leaving my grandson, leaving all those wonderful things you get to do as a grandmother and an auntie and a sister and a mother. Like, are you, are you worth that? How much are you worth? Are you worth me leaving my home and my things and everything that I'm comfortable with? Come to a country where I know nobody. I don't even know the language. Living under conditions where, you know, the electricity goes out and there's no water or um, monkeys are in my water tank or dogs are at my front door or, you know, there's leopards outside at, the, at, at nightfall. Are you worth it? Are you worth me coming and sitting in all of this, leaving all of that? What is, are you worth that? And when she looked at me, she just said, oh, auntie. Thank you for making me feel that I have value. So today, you have value in God's eyes. That's how God values us. God bless you. Have a good morning. Thank you, Jackie. So naturally, when you are valued, when you are elevated in your self-image, not based on what the world thinks, but what God thinks, you're going you're gonna to have inner joy. 
It's just a natural thing. If, if, if I encounter you after you have come from hearing really bad news, you're going to re- react to me one way. But if I encounter you after you have heard really good news, you're going to react to me in an entirely different way. You're going to be much easier to work with if you just come from good news instead of bad news. And some of us are going out into life coming from bad news. And that's why we're so grumpy and that's why we're so irritable. And that's why we're so hard to work with. Because in the back of our minds, we're coming from bad news. And we're, we're, every person we encounter, we're in our hearts thinking, you're the one who's going to tell me good news about myself. Okay, are you going are, are to put me down too? Are you going to hurt me too? Are you going to change the, the news that, that's in, in the back of my mind? Are you going to change that? Well, I'm going to tell you this morning, and my invitation to you, and I really believe, I really felt this morning when I was, when I was walking around the house getting ready for the service, I felt like God's really going to connect some of you to him this morning. And some of you in this room that have not yet connected to really your own redemption and your own salvation are going to be able to connect to that today. And you're going to realize that part of what your issue is you're looking to everything else to give you security. You're living to everything. What, what you, you can, the, the gospel is, what does the word gospel mean? Good news. If you start to live from a perspective that you are being launched out of bed every morning with good news. You are going to relate to the world entirely differently. You're going to relate to the world with joy. And you're going to relate to the world with love and compassion. And you're going to be a giver instead of a grabber. You're going to be, you're going to be a, a, a giver instead of a user. And you don't mean to be a user. It's not, it's not like I'm just a user. No, that's not. That's not you, you, it's so unconscious you don't even know it. You don't even know that you're, you're putting this heavy load on the whole world to affirm you when God says, stop it, I've already affirmed you. Finally, the Christian, and that was the Christian relating to inner emotions. Finally, uh, Christian hope transforms human suffering. You know, in the late 1800s, uh, there was a, a man named Horatio G. Spafford. He was known as one of Chicago's most successful lawyers and businessmen and his real estate holdings on uh, uh, shores of Lake Michigan and made him a very wealthy man. He had four daughters and a wife. And in 1871, he, in fact, he wrote to some friends and said, I am sitting on top of the world. But then uh, I think it was uh, Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicked, kicked the lantern over <laughs> in Chicago, started the Chicago fire, and he lost everything. And those were the days before insurance and everything. So he lost everything. He lost his entire business in that fire. And it was so traumatic to him and his wife, and his wife especially took it hard, that the doctor recommended that they take an extended period away. And so he puts his wife on a... uh, He was going to go with her on a a transatlantic uh, ocean voyage to to Wales. And they were going to take an extended vacation. The last minute he gets a phone call about a business matter that he had to deal with. So he puts his wife and four daughters on the ship, and they go somewhere out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, a British steamliner is coming, both going full speed, and they crashed in the middle of the ocean. The ship goes down, and he got a telegram a few, a few days later from his wife from, from Wales that said, Saved Alone. He lost his four daughters. And uh, 
he gets on a boat a few days later, heads for Cardiff, Wales to be with his wife. And when they get to that point in the ocean where the ship had gone down, the captain came and found him, took him out on the deck and said, I just want you to know, Horatio, this is where your daughters rest. And he was prepared to feel devastated. And he thought he was going to be so beside himself. But he said, a strange peace came over me out on the deck. And he remembered the words of his friend, Dr. Dwight L. Moody, from Northville, Massachusetts, by the way. He remembered the friend, his friend, words of his friend, Dwight L. Moody, who said, one of these days you're going to read that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of that. I'll be more alive than I am now. And Spafford said, instead of sadness, he started to smile. And he went to his cabin, and these words began to come to his mind. And some of you know this story already, but I know many of you don't know this story. This is one of the great stories of all times. And he began to write. Here's the words he wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Verse 2, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, lest this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. The final verse is, and Lord haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds shall be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. I have an interesting connection to that story. One day I'm listening a few years ago to a sermon by a man named Louis, Louis Giglio. And he was preaching about pain. And he was preaching about pain being a megaphone of hope. And, you know, that's a, he, that comes from a quote by C.S. Lewis. The quote goes like this. Pain insists upon being attended to too. God whisper us, whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now, maybe you don't understand that quote, but what I'm about to tell you is going to help you understand it. Because I, literally, I'm sitting at my desk at home, and I listen to this entire sermon and I don't remember now if I just got the call or, or, or if, if I just knew she was in the hospital. But I don't know if Robin and, and, uh, and Skip Rill are in the service right now. I can't see everybody. But uh, Robin Rill, Skip Rill, who come to our church. Robin Rill's mother was dying in the hospital at UMass in Worcester. And I was not her pastor, but I was Robin's and, and Skip's pastor. So I finished listening to the sermon. I wasn't making any connection. I wasn't thinking about going to visit this, this saint of God, by the way, who had spent her life serving the Lord and involved singing in the choir. and being, The choir was a big thing to her. I, I wasn't making any connection. I just finished listening to the sermon. I, the next thing on my agenda was go to the hospital. And I jump in my car and I run to the hospital. And I get up there. That's the biggest hospital room I think I've ever seen. It was just huge. And there was like 20 people, all people from their church in Oxford, Massachusetts. All these people from their church, like 20 people are in that room. And I walk in, 
and she's got the breathing mask on. They kind of got her propped up, and she pulls the mask off, and she says, hi, Pastor Phil. She said, the party's nearly over. And I said, oh, yeah, for you, it's about to begin. (laughs) And almost on cue, everybody in that room began to sing. Guess what they began to sing? When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, wherever my lot does taught me to say, it is well, it is well, my soul. It was a choir that was going all down the halls of that ICU singing, it is well with my soul. And I said, now I understand C.S. Lewis quotes that pain is a megaphone of hope because the, the believer in Jesus Christ in the most dire and difficult circumstances, what comes out of them is hope. Amen? Interesting conclusion to that story, too, that I had never heard till recently that Horatio Spafford and his wife went to the Holy Land, went to Israel, and established a ministry called American Colony where they fed the hungry and ministered to the sick till the end of their lives. People without hope would have ended up in alcoholism, divorced, maybe even suicidal. Hope didn't just transform the Spaffords. It turned them into transformers of hope. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share in this Christ's suffering, so though through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. See, you're going to smash your thumb. But what's going to come out of you is hope. The blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ is later. But what's going to come out of your mouth instead of hopelessness is you're now a living advertisement for the thrill of hope. Amen? I really, I don't know, as I was praying this morning, I just felt like the Lord said that there, there are people that aren't in the game. They love the Lord, yes. They're not, they even love this church, but they're not in the game. I want to invite them to be in the game. I want to invite them out onto the field and become a part of this great, joyful, amazing life of living motored and motivated by the hope of the gospel every day of your life. And every circumstance gets seen through the prism of the good news that you carry in your soul. And right now, I want to invite everyone who would say, Pastor Phil, I need prayer. And I'd like to have a moment of prayer. I want you to come down. And just get out of your seat. Come right down. I want to have a moment of prayer with you. Then we're going to invite everyone who wants to participate in communion to do that. But I want to have a prayer with every one of you who needs a special prayer for hope in your life. Come on.
Some of you that are coming down, maybe, maybe some of you have never accepted Jesus Christ. You've never made that, you've never crossed that line of faith to make Jesus your complete source of hope. Others of you have done that. I know, I know you, I know you pretty well, and I know you love God. I, I mean, not, not, I'm sorry, loving God's not the criteria here, but, but I, know, I know you've put your faith in God. But you've hit, a, you've hit a speed bump. You've hit a wall, maybe. You've, you've hit a place in your life where that hope is not secure like it was. And I, I want to pray for you, too, right now, that God will give you a real divine breakthrough. I tell you guys, I want you to help me pray out there. Help me pray right now because God really wants to do something major in people's hearts and lives this morning. People are in a lot of pain these days. People are in a lot of pain. They're in a lot of discomfort. I understand it. But God has a, God has a resolution. God has, God has a, 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 an answer. And God has some divine medication that will make the swelling go down. <laughs> that, that, will make the, that will make the pain go away. That, that's what I want for you right now. I want the pain to go away. How many of you want the pain to go away? I want the pain to go away. Father, in Jesus' name, pray with me. Pray out there. Help me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for some people standing here today who need the pain to go away. Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed the pain to go away. The pain of living in a world that was so full of chaos and oppression. And this young girl was at the very bottom of the social structure. God, the social structure was sitting on top of her. Lord, the hierarchy was a million miles from her. She was sitting underneath every, every problem of life was sitting on top of her. And she had to be in so much pain. But when she heard that the hope of the world was going to be birthed within her, there was joy. The government didn't change. The world didn't change. But she changed. And that's what I want for everybody standing up here today, God. Lord, that circumstances that they're thinking has to change may not be what needs to change. But a miracle that would happen in their spirit, in their heart right now, is the only thing they need right now, Lord. It's the only thing they need is to be filled with the Spirit right now, right now at this altar, right now at this altar, right now in this church on Sunday morning. They just need the explosion of the Spirit to happen in their hearts. And the devil doesn't have a chance. Devil, you lose. Father, in Jesus' name, we glorify you and we praise you that the score is a million to nothing in Jesus' favor. Hallelujah. 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 Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen.